So if the, the song reminds you of anything, it always reminded me of, you know, that style, the Celtic, reminds me of one of my absolute favorite movie uh, series or you know, movies uh, collections that are out there, and that is The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, this the Celtic feel to it, and one of the things that's really really fun about Lord of the Rings, if you're if you're a Lord of the Ring or if you're a, a Hobbiter, uh, a, aka <clears throat> a nerd uh, like myself, <laughs> um, you'll know that all these different swords have histories, and they've got names. They have names that represent what they've done in the Lord of the Rings and, and the Hobbit and other other fictional stories. One of them is Narsil, or Anduril. So this one was, this sword was forged in the first age, uh, if, you, if you know the, the Lord of the Ring lore. And uh, it, was, uh, it was initially the, the shards of Narsil because it actually helped defeat the Dark Lord Sauron at this giant, at this big war, this big, uh, uh, this big battle. And on the sword, it's, it, it's ri- written in Elvish, I am Anduril. Whom uh, the sword of Elendi, let the thralls of Mordor flee me. So it had that written on the sword itself. This proclamation that this has killed some, you know, thousands of people. But it also, it became Anduril, which means that it also, also indicated the rightful ruler of Gondor. This big uh, nation, this big city that right at the gates of Mordor. Um, and it was able, because it was endued with magical powers, to rule, to actually summon a ghost army. If you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings, that's how they were able to win the last battle at the, end of, at the whole end of this series of the Third Age. Next is Orchrist. This was from the Hobbit series. This was called the Goblin Cleaver. Uh, it was forged by the elves in the Third Age and possibly used by King Tugon. And it, it's, it was known as it killed hundreds of goblins in its time when the fair elves of Gondolin hunted them in the hills for sport or did battle before their walls. So it had its great name. This was found in a, in a troll cave, and it was Gandalf. Gandalf uh, wielded this sword uh, during his time uh, in, in the Hobbit series, the first book. And then... Uh, then, uh, then, his, then uh, Gandalf's sword in the Lord of the Rings, Glamdring, the foe hammer. This was in the, in the Lord of the Rings series. This was the, the most feared sword of all. Uh, it was the most powerful. It had these inscriptions on it uh, in runa, in the runa language that basically endued it with this magical or supernatural power uh, and ability to do things. Plus, one of the most amazing things about it is that when it was wielded, it glowed white as fire when evil was near. Next, you might remember the, the uh, this is a di- going to a different, different story that you're more familiar with, Excalibur from, from, uh, from you know, King Arthur. King Arthur wielded this sword and the word Excalibur actually means cuts through steel, stone, and wood. And it was also endued with magical or supernatural powers. This was the, the famous sword from the sword in the stone, which indicated the rightful king of England. So you can see we have a sword here in town.
a miracle ordained by heaven. This boy is our king. <laughs> but it, it indicated rulership, glory, honor. I love what it has actually written on it. The king reigns and his son. The king reigns and his son. Swords have, you know, in, in folklore, have power. They, they shine white when they're wielded by the rightful heir, the rightful owner. And that was one of the interesting things about, about Excalibur. Excalibur itself was powerful. It was incredibly powerful in folklore when wielded by, uh, by someone of, of who is worthy. You have seen Thor being able to pick up his hammer because he was worthy to rule. He was worthy to have and, and endue the power that it held. And it would blaze with fire when it was wielded. Swords have power. Swords get their stories and their legends by those who wield it. By those who wield a sword. Now what is the purpose of a sword? Now we see a, it's a ceremonial thing. It indicates authority. But what is the actual purpose of an actual sword that's sharpened and ready to go? Yeah. stabbing and slicing and dicing and chopping and killing. and I, I was tempted to show this. this uh, uh, there's a show called Forged in Fire where they actually, actually forge these swords and they actually put them to the test and actually chop pieces of wood and chop these dummies with liquid inside them. And they used red this time for some reason. And this guy was like covered head to toe with, with blood. These swords were very effective at doing what they were meant to do. Swords are meant to be violent tools of battle and protecting. They're also def a defense. Guards would carry them to defend the king. Guards would carry them to defend the kingdom. Armies would carry them to protect the land. And to indicate power and authority to lead and cause an army to be victorious. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, if you're aware or maybe you've blocked it out, but we are in the midst of a great battle. We are in the midst of a powerful, supernatural world war going on right now. Just turn on the news or Facebook and you'll see it. You may not see armies on the battlefield, but you'll see the powers of the enemy at work all around us. All around us. This is actually why one of our values here at Shift Church is number, value number five, readiness for spiritual warfare. Readiness to, to take up the sword and wield it in battle. To battle, be ready for fighting the spiritual warfare. And well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about what it means to be ready for spiritual warfare. But here's the thing. Who is our enemy? 
Who is our enemy? As the church, we have to answer this question. As Christians, as saints, as believers, we have to answer this question. Who is the enemy of the world? Who is the enemy that we're fighting, that we're ready for? We're going to look in in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Now, this is a powerful statement for Paul because he is, if you know anything about the book of Ephesians, if you've read it, you know, once or twice, Ephesians is packed full of powerful, powerful proclamations of truth. Our salvation and our salvaging, our redemption from sin and death and the grave is forefront in Ephesians 1 and 2. The glory of God and our revelation of him in chapters 3 and 4. And our life as the church and, and our expression as the church in 4 and 5. Powerful, powerful things. But Paul is indicating here, he says, Now my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. This is most important to Paul in this letter. This is where we, we, we put ourselves forward in our seats and we're listening. We're, you know, as the Ephesian church would probably be hearing this letter, saying, I'm at, I'm at the edge of my seat, Paul. What, what, okay, I've, I've heard all this awesome, epic stuff. So now what are you going to say? What is he going to say? Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Here's the most important part right here. Who's our enemy? Here it is. Your hand-to-hand combat, your wrestling, your battle is not with human beings. The other side politically is not the enemy. Bill Gates and George Soros are not the enemy. Trump is not the enemy. The Supreme Court is not the enemy. Your neighbor that's really annoying or your coworker that's really hard to work with is not the enemy. Your in-laws are not the enemy. People, flesh and blood are not the enemy. What is our, who is the enemy? But with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. That is the enemy. All the ones that in our seemingly human perspective are the enemy are the ones that are actually the captive, the captives. And our enemy is their captors. Our enemy is the one that has this world by the throat, has our nation in its grips, has our city under its delusion and accusation and deception. The accuser, powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and, I love this, will rise victorious. 
Can I just be honest with you guys? During this whole season of life, a.k.a. the year that we will not ever speak of after this year, <clears throat> there are times where it's hard. There's times where it's hard to be around people. It's hard to be on social media. It's hard to, what, to listen to the news. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning because you're like, what's next? Is Yellowstone going to explode today? There, there are days and there are seasons where life is hard. Where you feel defeated. Where you're going to bed at night and you're sitting, you're awake, you're awake for hours because you're just, I, tell, I guarantee you, so you guys, I've, I've had several sleepless nights during the season wondering what are we going to do? What are we going to do? As a people, like what, how do I lead? How do I love? How do I serve? When it almost feels like people are the enemy. Have you felt like that in this season? Have you felt that going to bed at night, wondering what tragedy is going to befall us the next day and feeling not victorious? I felt that sting. That almost, it almost feels like a heavy blanket, not of comfort, but of just of, of quenching my spirit. But for you, for you, for you, Marty, for you, Ralph, for you, Gary, Josh, for you, Kathy, Tess, you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you to stand in triumph. Put on holiness, who you are, as the protective armor that covers your heart. Don't let anyone, anyone, anyone ever as a believer, tell you that you are less holy than God has said you are. You are holy. That's what our name means, is holy ones. And it has nothing to do with what you do or don't do. It has everything to do with Jesus. Put on his, put on holiness, your reminder of who you are as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet, alert, then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance like a helmet to protect your thoughts from lies. This goes with that breastplate to cover your heart, protect your mind, and take the mighty razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. For we have the living word of God, which is full of energy, and it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. This is Hebrews. It will even penetrate to the very core of your being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives 
of our hearts. This is Revelation 1. This is, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. In his strength, hand, I'm sorry, in his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. This is Revelation 19, that this is a revelation of the victorious King of Kings. This is no longer, no longer the suffering servant of Jesus when he walked this earth. This is now ruling and reigning on his throne in heaven. And then I saw heaven opened, and suddenly a white horse appeared. The name of the one riding it was faithful and true. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides to battle. He wore many regal crowns, and his eyes were flashing like flames of fire. He had a secret name inscribed on him that's only known to himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title is called the Word of God. Following him on white horses were the armies of heaven, wearing uh, white fine linen, pure and bright. A sharp sword came from his mouth with which to conquer the nations. And he will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample out the wine in the winepress of the wrath of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he had inscribed a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what is this sword that it speaks of? The sword that's coming out of his mouth. We'll be reminded of what that, what that was. That, that sword coming out of his mouth is what? The word of God, the spoken word of God. But what is it? What is the power in this? What is the glory in this? What is this for you? What is this for us? You individually and us as this church, us as believers, what is the power in this phrase, in this statement? It goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 6. Take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. That sword is yours to wield. Because Jesus, the word of God, is the most powerful sword in all existence. More powerful than Narsil, more powerful than Duriel, more powerful than Orchrist, more powerful than Glandering or Excalibur. He is the most powerful. The Word of God, the sword, is a person. And the sword is the spoken Word of God Himself. And it is yours to wield. It is yours to wield. Now, why do we need that sword? Why is he saying, take up the sword? What is the purpose? Again, what is the purpose of a sword? To show authority, but also to defeat foes, to defeat enemies through violence, <laughs> cutting them down, slicing them through, run them through. So why is he telling us to take up a sword? Is he calling us to like, you know, as Peter kind of misunderstood this phrase, I think. If you remember back in, back in, the, back in the garden, you know, P, you know, Jesus is actually, you know, 
of his own volition and of his own causing, causing himself to be arrested. And Peter's like, shall we fight with the sword? And like strikes and like cuts off the dude's ear. And Jesus is like, stop! Stop the violence! This must happen. And of course, according to, you know, true Jesus fashion, he, you know, bends down, picks up the ear, puts it back on the guy's face, heals it. And so what is he asking of us? Like, why do we need a sword today? Why do we need a sword in our lives today? What is the sword that we wield? 2 Timothy 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money and Facebook and Instagram they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, gossip, tabloids, false news, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. They're always learning, but never discover the revelation knowledge of truth. Skipping on to, to verse 13. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. So when society around us goes from bad to worse, when the news all around us is doom and gloom and hate, and when all you get in your mail is political jar, you know, junk, trying to smear the other side, throw that junk away. When all these things are upon us, America's crumbling, our way of life is, is falling. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. If you remember what I talked about, about Revelation, how I love that book, because he says, no matter what happens, no matter what funky looking dragons come out of the ocean, or this or that, or serpents and this kind of thing, or bowls of wrath and rivers of blood, no matter what happens, stay faithful to Christ. Because in the end, he's the one that wields the devil-edged sharp sword. He is the one who will stand victorious. He is the one riding on the white horse of victory. You know, you've heard the phrase, be on the right side of history. Be on the right side of history. 
Because in the end, Jesus wins. And those who place their faith and allegiance in Christ are the ones who will stand victorious in their lives and, in, and for all eternity. Is God hateful? No. John 3.16, for God so loved his world, so, for God so loved his creation, God so loved humanity that he sent his son, his only beloved begotten son, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish. Jesus' blood will not be, I'm sorry, Jesus' robe will not be dripped in their blood. They will not perish, but they will have everlasting, eternal life. And remember, that word eternal, everlasting, isn't talking about length, it's talking about quality. Quality of your life. Saying, just as Joshua said, but as for me and my house, y'all can choose whatever you want to do, but as for me and my house, we know who wins. We know whose side of history we want to be on. We're with him. We're with the ruling king of kings and the Lord of lords. So what is he calling us to do? If that is our rightful place in his kingdom, if that is the kingdom that we are a part of, and he is that king, he is our king, what has he called us to do? What? Wield the sword. Wield the sword. Use it. Wield the weapon of God to defeat God's enemies with him. He has given you power. He has given you authority. You are his holy ones. You are his believers. You are his kingdom. Wield the sword. And what is the sword? The word of God. It is living and active piercing to the heart of its hearers. The division of bone and marrow, of soul and spirit and body, it pierces to the very core of who we are as humans. In a good way. This is how we defeat the captors. This is how we defeat those who have this world under it's, it's thumb. So how do, what do, how do we wield the sword? What does it look like for us to wield the sword? Remember, the word of God. I think the closest thing that we can understand that as is Scripture. Jesus has spoken. This is, you know, the thing I find funny is the red, is the red letter Bibles. I used to love them. But if you think about it, because what, what are the red letters? The words of Jesus. But if Jesus is the word of God, every single letter in this book should be read. Because this is Jesus from cover to cover. John 1.1, 1, 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Cover to cover. This is Jesus' words. 
And the other side of that, other, other wing of that plane is the Spirit of God, walking by the Spirit. So we have the written Word of God and the inspired working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to speak the Word of God. So we need to read it. Read the Word. I know this might sound obvious and it might sound like another one of those, you know, read your Bible more, pray more, go to church more, type thing. But we need to read His Word, be in His Word, reading Scripture, hiding it in our heart that we may not sin against God, hiding in our heart to remind us of who we are in Christ so that we don't walk outside of our identity, reminding ourselves of the glory, reminding ourselves of the gladness and the blessing and the joy and the power that God has for you, that God has for us, His church. For you as parents, as you try to disciple your children and raise them to love Jesus, as you try to bless and minister to your spouse, speaking powerful words over each other. That's why we relate the word. We've got to apply it. Make it relevant to every area of our lives. Remember the word. Hide it in your heart. Represent the word. Live it. Figure out how to practically walk it out in every area of your life. I'll give you a challenge. Go to BibleGateway.com and just search in one another and figure out this next season how to practically apply and live out each of the one another's. Write it down. Write that down. Go and research the one another's and figure out practical ways through this gathering, through our ad groups, and through your one-on-one relationships, how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to bear with one another, how to encourage one another, how to build up the body of Christ, how to practically live out the one another and reveal the word. Speak it. This is the challenge, the challenging part. But again, going back to number three value in our values as as Shift Church, having courage with humility, having the courage to pick up the sword in everyday conversations with people, with friends and family who may not know Jesus, to free them from the captors. But the same sword that, that defeats the enemy also builds up the body. The same word of God builds up and encourages one another in the, in the, in the household of faith. Speak it. Properly handle it. Because the most dangerous thing about a sword is putting it in the hands of a fool. Of someone who just wields it without practice, without taking instruction, without learning how to wield something that's dangerous. Because oftentimes what we can do is we'll hurt each other by Bible bashing. One of my favorite scenes in this movie called Saved is when this girl throws a Bible at this, this girl that she's trying to 
deliver and encourage. She says, I am filled with the love of Christ. So she wields the, the word. She wields the sword and kills a friend versus using it to deliver, using it to build up and encourage. Learn how to wield the sword. This is where study, where conversation comes in, into play. Or questioning. I would love, I guess, I went to seminary and, co- and Bible college for you. Because I want you to be built up in your, in your ability to rightfully handle the word of truth. To be able to rightfully apply it. And so I would love to go out with, co- out with you to, for coffee or something. Have you guys over for dinner. Discuss the scriptures, the Bible. Answer, you know, if you're like, if you, if you ask me a question I don't know, I'd be like, I don't know, let's find out together. Let's learn how to walk through this together. Let's learn how to properly and powerfully wield the sword of truth. This is 2 Timothy 3. Remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the Anointed One. Every scripture has been written by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. In the presence, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. This this is one of the last things that Paul ever wrote in his life. This is what Paul's desire is for us to understand and know the word of truth. Here it is. In the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you. Man, hear that phrase. He's saying by God, by the angels, by all things that we have, have been created, basically by all things that exist, by everything in creation, all the power of God himself. I adjure you, I I solemnly instruct you, proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when when it is convenient and when it's not. Courage with humility. Readiness for spiritual warfare. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming and is now already here when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths and conspiracy theories. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. There's a a quote by this man named Chuck Colson. He says, Christianity rests on the belief that God is the source of truth and that he does not alter it according to the spirit of the times. When Christians sever their ties with absolute truth, 
relativism reigns, and the church becomes merely a religious adaptation of the culture. So what do we believe is the church? Well, if you've been on our, web- on our website, this is what we believe is Shift Church. We believe the Bible, all 66 books of the Old and New Testament, is the unique, full, and final authority on all matters of faith and practice. And there are no other writings similarly inspired by God. That is what we believe. We believe in the power of the sword of the Spirit. We believe in the power of the Word of God because it is the final authority in all things that pertain to life and faith, life and godliness. Both to defeat the enemy, the principalities and authorities in the, in the unseen realms, and to heal and encourage and build up one another. It is powerful. It is living and active. And our enemy, Satan and his followers, know it. And so even now, as I proclaim this truth, this powerful truth, in the hearing of our our great enemy and his followers, value number five, be ready. Be ready for the spiritual warfare. Be ready for the lies and the deception to come. Be ready for that oppression. Be ready. But be ready to stand victorious and wield the sword of the Spirit of God and wield it to defeat the enemy to protect, put on the full armor of God to protect your heart, to protect your mind, to empower your feet to go. To love, because what is the sword of the Spirit? It is the love of God. And the love of God is powerful and it's working. Love those who love you And love your enemies. Because remember, they're not your true enemies. Humanity is not our true enemy. Their oppressor and their captors are the enemies that we have been assigned to defeat through wielding the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Jesus, we come before you humbly. And God, right now in this moment, I pray that you would speak powerfully through your spirit into our hearts, into our lives. Lord, if there's anyone here that has not pledged their allegiance to you, Jesus Christ, in your kingdom, God, I pray that this morning would be that day. Lord, if there has been... Lord, if there are those among us, Lord, here this morning that have not taken up the word of God, taken up the sword of the Spirit, Lord, this would be the day that they would, Lord, that they would reveal, see, hear the revelation from Jesus Christ and pick it up. Pick it up and read. Pick it up and use it 
pick it up and practice it. To read it, to remember it, to recall it, to reveal it, to relate it. Lord, that you would defeat your enemies through us and that you would deliver those who need delivering. God, that you would save people, that we would see you adding to our number daily. Those who you are saving, delivering from the captor through living and loving, revealing your grace, your amazing, scandalous, joyous grace. Let us remind each other of your love and your grace through strategically wielding the sword of the Spirit in each other's lives. To love, serve, build up, encourage, admonish, bring hope and peace to one another through the powerful promises of the Word of God. Let this be a defining season in the life of your church in Belgrade. We love you and we praise you and we pray your protection over our lives that we would be ready for spiritual warfare. Deliver us from the evil one. As remember your words, Father, our Father, who's in heaven, holy and powerful is your name. Your kingdom come, Lord, and your will, your work be done on earth, through us, your church, as it is in heaven, your kingdom. Give us daily our daily bread, what we need each day. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, provide, Lord Jesus, for us in times of worry. And Lord, we remind us of the forgiveness that you bought for us on the cross. Thank you. Thank you for the forgiveness of all of our sins. For yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen.